Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Hey, what's up, everyone? Thanks so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. This is episode 128, Chrono Cross in Xenogears. Now, this is a very special episode for a couple reasons. First, it's a dual spotlight episode focusing on two games not from the same series, but from the same composer during the similar era and system. Secondly, it has to do with our guests. As you guys know, we've had so many guests on the podcast, most of them composers. We've also done things like favorites with friends. We have people we've met in the field of video games or video game music. But today, we're happy to have one of our most active and supportive listeners of the podcast itself, and more importantly, a huge fan of Yasunori Mitsuda, and particularly Chrono Cross, Sean Schoenherr. Sean, welcome. Yeah, it's great being here. Awesome. This is going to be really fun. Now, luckily for us, I would say that Sean is an expert of Yasunori Mitsuda and Chrono Cross. Would you agree with that, Sean? Um, yeah, I think that's that and uh, Shin Megami Tensei, I think, are what I'm primarily known for. Uh, nice. Yeah, I think this will be fun because, as you guys know, our focus is obviously the music, but we don't. there's a lot of times when we don't know a lot about the games. Let's say it's from RPG series that we haven't played. So this is going to be really fun for us to have, a, you know, we're going to be focusing on music, obviously. But Sean, it's going to be cool for you to kind of bring a little bit more context of the game and maybe your personal connection to this music. So I'm looking forward to that. Now, Sean, you have a blog that you run, right? Yeah, it's called uh, Bump and Level Grind. That's the letter N. Um sort of as a contraction of Ant, and uh, it's sort of video game reviews and um, other things as well, but often tangentially related to video games. So, Oh, very cool. If anyone's interested, you can find Sean at Twitter, SSeanTofa, that's S-J-O-N-T-O-F-A. Uh, kind of, is that the Icelandic version of Sean? Um, yeah, so Sion would be a uh, shortened form of Sion, which would be like the, the Icelandic form of Sean. Um, also means vision. And then okay. Tofa means fox. Very cool. Yeah, I think you win the award of changing your Twitter name more than anyone I've ever known. <laughs> Keeping us guessing here. Yeah. So let's let's get into it here. We're going to start off uh, talking about Chrono Cross. Now, today we're going to be talking about Chrono Cross and Xenogear. So just two PS1 soundtracks from the legendary Yasunori Mitsuda. One, one of, of our, our favorites. favorites. Oh, yeah, on the podcast, uh, he is just one of the... One of the greatest composers and in all of game music, obviously, um, we all first discovered him in Chrono Trigger. What I love about this soundtrack is there is definitely a linkage between the two soundtracks, and it definitely feels mm-hmm. like it's part of the same world. So that's what I'm looking forward so to yeah, the most. So yeah, two PS1 soundtracks, and as you guys know, that's very special because we don't have a lot of um, spotlight on the PS1 on this podcast. It's kind of a blind blind spot for us so we're excited about this we're gonna start off with chrono cross this game came out in 1999 i believe what you guys heard playing in with was probably the most famous theme that's time scar let's start off with arnie village Homeworld. uh and sean wanted us to play two different versions of this game and we'll talk about this after we fade this down there's there's uh there's the Homeworld and the another world version let's start off with arnie village Homeworld, composed by yasunori mitsuda
Awesome. You're listening to Arnie Village Homeworld version from Chrono Cross for the PS1 composed by the legendary Yasunori Mitsuda. Very beautiful track. Now, Sean, do you want to tell us a little bit about um, the homeworld versus the another world, how there's two different versions of these pieces in this game? Um, yeah, so in Chrono Cross, uh, sort of Chrono Trigger, as most people know, is about time travel and you're traveling between the past and the future and the present. Um, Mm-hmm. And there's different versions of places that you go depending on what time it is. But in Chrono Cross, there's actual two parallel universes at the same time. Um, and so a lot of it is about what's sort of different between the two places. Um, and the main thing that you discover right away is that in the, the other world, you're dead. Um, and you're obviously you're alive in the home world. Um, so mm-hmm. the ho- this is the home village, sort of the first village you start out in. Um, and so I think there's sort of a contrast between them that really drives home that it's sort of the same place, but there's something different. Right. Very cool. That, that's a technique that's used in so many video games. Uh, if you think about something like Metroid Prime 2 with the light and the dark world, it's interesting to think about musically what you can do to do contrast. Koji Kondo even dabbled in that in something like Majora's Mask. Or Link to the Past or Absolutely. Ocarina of Time. I mean, there's a lot mm-hmm. of that kind of duality of worlds that works really well with gameplay. What I love about this is it definitely is sort of very calming and soothing. Some of the instrument choices, I mean, obviously the use of that guitar definitely sort of has almost like a farm like uh, comfortable quality yeah, to he, it. Um, sure. He said the the guitar is sort of inspired by a, it's called Fadu guitar in Portugal, um, hmm. which is characterized by this idea called saudade, which is like longing or a sense of fate. Um, and it's often about the sea. And a lot of the in the game, the the sea is a very big visual motif. Uh, and there's a lot of ideas about fate and sort of longing for what could have been. Um, that I think he's directly playing with this and I think it influences a lot of even when he's not doing the guitars and the other songs you mm-hmm. will often get um, even if it's a happier song there'll be like a small part of it that sort of has this moment of longing um, so that's I think really it, cool I think it's a, sort of a big thread throughout the entire soundtrack I think this like Fadu guitar uh, was a big influence on him for this one Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that's very interesting to note that. Let's, let's definitely kind of pay attention to that as, as we continue. So now we're going to take a listen to maybe how he contrasts that with Arnie Village, Another World. Here we go. Thank you. 
is so beautiful. You guys are listening to Arnie Village, Another World, composed by Yasunori Matsuda. And oh, it's so interesting knowing the context of that, hearing how he's able to change. It's it's a little bit more tragic, but it's so beautiful. Well, there's much more of an intimacy uh, with the instrument choices, switching yeah. the melody from the flute to the piano. It loses a little bit of some of the kind of the soul, a little bit of the humanity. It's slightly more cold, mm-hmm. but it also is more... Um, Sean, I think you described it sort of like tragic. There is sort of um, a little bit of longing in it. Um, it very beautiful. I think I, I might prefer this version because it sort of uh, it cradles the melody and really showcases um, Masuda's melodic gift. I really liked that last turn, that sort of final C bridge section oh, so before you return to and the I know, loop. Will, I was looking over very your face. Koji you Kondo. love the chord progression. Yeah. Sean, what do you think as far as which version resonates with you more? Um, I like I, I really like the contrast between them because I think uh, it captures a lot of like what's happening in the game. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is is definitely more soothing um, than the other one. The other one is sort of often the starting village he has to do very happy, and this is even this game I think is even one of the low, least uh, like upbeat of his uh, first town themes to date. Yeah, um, like up to that point, but. Um, yeah, this one's just so quiet and soft. Um, and there's very soothing. There's a certain sense of something missing that I think the fact that he's able to capture that and that, you know, in, within the story of the game, that thing that's missing is you. Um, but that he mm. sort of captures that sense with uh, sort of the mournful quality of the piano more. Yeah, um, I, I sort of think the absence of percussion really helps, helps. And the tempo. The tempo is just a little bit slow. Like, yeah, just slower a, than a almost as natural. Yeah, and it just, it, it has a little bit of a dragging quality, which really kind of can pull on your heartstrings. But a yeah, talking about, you know, how, how gentle and soothing it is, this whole soundtrack... Obviously, there's moments of tension. There's moments of excitement and stuff. But the, a lot, especially a lot of the tracks we're playing today, we we kind of went through and we you know we collaborated with Will, Sean, myself, trying to pick you know what we thought of maybe some of the best tracks. And a lot of them ended up being very beautiful, slow and soft. Yeah, I think that's the strength. Well, it's of cool the because for me, when I think of my favorite Chrono Trigger pieces, they're some of the more rhythmically interesting ones and yeah. a little bit more kind of fun and lively energy. And there is a lot of that in this soundtrack. But some of my favorites are the more ballad type. Yeah, I think it comes up in another track that we have too, but it was in both of these Arnie themes. He samples the sound of the fingers on the strings, which I thought was Mm -hmm. an interesting way of sort of like adding some of that human touch. Um, yeah. You actually hear like the string, the fingers slide across the string. Yeah, the sliding of the frets. Yeah, that that is actually, uh, I don't want to say it's common in this PS1 era, but there are composers, you know, if they're as creative as Yasunori Mitsuda, they're able to do that, to add things. You know, when, when I listen to this soundtrack and think that it's, you know, 1999, he probably worked on this in 1998, um, it sounds really good. It do, it holds up way more than, for me, oh, yeah. most PS1 music on a technical level. Well, sort of the absence of a lot of uh, synth elements, and uh, it definitely sounds very finessed. All the and, samples and his, sound very his, finessed. The samples that he uses for solo violin sound really good, too. So anyway, before we nerd out too much, let's move on to a track called Singing Emotions. And you could probably guess that this is going to be another soothing, pretty track, and you'd be right. This is composed by Yasunori Mitsuda. Thank you. 
Man, that was beautiful. You're just listening to Singing Emotions from Chrono Cross, and every single track today is composed by Yasunori Mitsuda. How about that clarinet sample? That, I had to, you know... Really strong. I had to, you know... Double check. Yeah, that was a sample. It sounded so good for you 1999. You can tell sort of the uh, delayed nature of the attacks, but I mean, beautiful. Like the the timbre isn't compromised at all, and it doesn't succumb to that sort of fake digitized sound that a lot of sample libraries have. It's a nice, interesting. Again, there's a, an intimacy with this soundtrack that I keep coming back to. Um, but it's interesting to hear some of the uh, the cadences in sort of the classical influence of way that he'll end phrases and hearing that oh, yeah. on this Rhodes is definitely kind of uh, it's this, interesting. It's this marriage of old and new because you're hearing the classical techniques, but a Rhodes is something that of. didn't you know come along until the '60s. And so it's some of the jazz sound. elements and yeah. a lot of the um, more note clusters. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit of context of the placement of this track in the game? Um, yeah. So this is sort of I guess I would call it uh, lean theme uh, primarily comes up in your relationship with uh, you have a girlfriend at the beginning of the game Lena um, and like mm-hmm. many JRPGs sort of a love triangle forms although love's less important in Chrono Cross than it is in a lot of um, RPGs okay. but uh, yeah so it's sort of her theme and I think uh, a lot of it is sort of about her feelings for the main character um, and mm-hmm. sort of this very like intimate feeling of affection towards someone yeah, it's a great instrument choice for that type of uh, capturing that sort of the romance. Clarinet. So a, mm-hmm. It's very delicate. Yeah, and I think there's also a certain capturing of like something, um, like again, there's a sense of longing because it comes at some key points where you're sort of talking about memory. Um, mm-hmm. And like, will we remember this moment in like 10, 20 years? Um, or for are we sure. going to forget about this? So, But yeah, I think it's a great example of, um, I think what, Mitsuda did so well on PlayStation that a lot of composers didn't is that he knew when to really just pull it back and let it be small and intimate like this. Um, yeah. Even though he sort of maybe had the room to do a lot of parts, he maybe put it more into just like trying to get each part to sound really, really good rather than uh, just filling it with a bunch of sound. Absolutely. No, that's, I 100% agree with that. And that, that's one of the reasons why this holds up so much better, in my opinion, than a lot of PS1 era music is for that exact reason. One thing that Sean told us is that a lot of these tracks have multiple different titles uh, because of the translation. We noticed that. Uh, so feel free, Sean, if there's any track where you want to let people know of an alternate title of these tracks, go for it. So I think we're going to move on to a track called Quitting the Body. Let's take a listen.
really stops me in my tracks. That was Quitting the Body from Chrono Cross. And Sean, what was the other alternate title of that track? Um, Departed Souls. Really interesting. Now, when we were listening to this, you were mentioning a little bit of context of this track. You want to share that with our listeners? Um, Yeah, I read in the liner notes that he actually wanted to use two types of traditional Japanese bamboo flutes, um, but he was unhappy with the, the synth sounds. Hmm. Um, so he went with these instruments instead. Uh, but I think you can still get a lot of that um, Japanese folk influence on it. Because uh, he's very big into to folk music all over the world. But this one's sort of, I think, the most overtly Japanese. Absolutely. There's that one moment well, uh, where there's that note. It's kind of evoking the Dorian mode. The, the note where he hits the sixth. Oh my gosh. It's so very beautiful pretty. and surprising. Yeah, again, I, he... Uh, he's always striked me as a composer who has um, va- a value of melody and uh, music craft right up there with instrument and production choices. Even back on they the go SNES, side by side, you yeah. know, always uh, very novel and unique instrument decisions. And here, obviously, he's working with a different set of limitations in dealing with virtual instrument samples. Um, but I, again, the choices he makes, it's like. It's interesting that you mentioned that, Sean, because obviously that would have been his original intention to use those flutes. But it's impressive to me that he had the control to change his vision. Yeah, I think to make it sound the limitations he's facing in this era, in some ways, are maybe more challenging because we've talked about it. When you're listening to SNES music, it doesn't fool anyone. It sounds synthetic. It sounds fake. But in this era, you're able to kind of get into a zone where it sounds realistic. And I think the challenge he faced in this era is, oh, I'm not happy with that. I'm not happy with that. I really want the emotion of this piece to be conveyed with the instruments and I think that's maybe the challenges that he that he faced in this uh, in this era but anything it's else you want to say about this track Sean um, yeah I guess just some context uh, so this is the theme for um, the dragon knights which at this point in the game are largely deceased um, the only ones that are left mm-hmm. are sort of old and burned out uh, so it is a lot of the sense sort of like heroism that's now passed um, that's been lost and I think Especially considering it was originally for a Japanese audience, having sort of some of that Japanese sound probably brings that out even more of sort of the the association of the samurai that have sort of um, right. no longer exist even, in Japan. Even in sort of a subtle way, just sort of, mm-hmm. even if you're not really kind of thinking about it consciously, having it sort of unconsciously there really yeah. kind of meshes the aesthetic and the idea all together. Oh, for sure. Well, yeah, no, that's such a beautiful track. This is awesome. Uh, We're about halfway through our Chrono Cross tracks we're going to play. Let's play a track called The Bend of Time. Here we go.
Man, that is a standout piece of music. You're listening to The Bend of Time. A uh, lot of different titles it's known It's known as. I think we had a version where this was called Dimension Breach, but oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. Right off the bat, Sean, any, what, what do you want to say about this piece? One, just some context. This is sort of in a, a place that's between the two other, like homeworld and another world, um, that's sort of bizarre and Escher-like, um, but it's so <laughs> calm and mellow and like there's sort of a drifting quality to me uh, to this yeah. song that uh, really fits sort of being like lost between between worlds. Um, but yeah, also in the the liner notes. Mitsuda mentions that uh, he composed this song in only two hours. Um, oh my gosh, that's says, crazy! You know, if only he could do that for all of his songs, then he could knock out <laughs> an album and you know a soundtrack in <laughs> in ten days. So, you know, that doesn't surprise me because there's something so natural to this melody. And I think one thing that a lot of uh, maybe people that don't compose maybe they don't realize is that it doesn't always take a long time to come up with something good. Sometimes the best things come right away in a very short amount of time. Well, to me, what what really strikes me about this piece, uh, even more so than the melody, is the way that it's harmonized. I mean, his chord choices are just so unique and natural, and there's an effortless quality to them, but he really doesn't shy away from some nice, complex harmonization. It, it's really interesting, like at a certain turn in the melody, the first pass-through um, he'll harmonize it one way and mm-hmm. the second turn it'll be different it, it, it never quite feels predictable yeah um, but it's always incredibly satisfying which is something that I'm really impressed by because oftentimes sometimes I, I find when I'm like surprised by a chord usually it, it's never a good thing yeah um, uh, but here when I'm surprised it's like it's usually like it's a good kind of surprise it's like it's better than what I would have imagined in my head Absolutely. So now I think it's time to move on to the next track in our playlist here. We're now going to play a track called Chronomantique. This is obviously composed by Yasunori Mitsuda from the PS1 soundtrack Chrono Cross. Let's take a listen. thing interesting is a lot of these tracks have long forms but in order to get through all the tracks we want to today i have to fade this down here this is chrono mantique from chrono cross and what's cool is this is harkening back to the corridors of time theme from chrono trigger so cool to hear that in a different context um you want to give us a little context about this piece in the game 
Um, yeah, so this is one of the sailing themes. I think it's used at a very specific moment in the game. Um, it's not always when you sail, but only like during one part. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so in all of the, the ones where he references uh, Chrono Trigger directly with the melody, or also Radical Dreamers, uh, the main theme of Radical Dreamers, which is another game before this, uh, they're always this overworld themes, I think, to sort of help tie the world uh, into those past worlds. So. Now, when you played this game, were you already familiar with the music of in the game of Chrono Trigger or not? Um, only a little bit. I hadn't actually played or beaten Chrono Trigger. I didn't have an SNES as a kid, so. Um, okay. But I was familiar with the some of the music, um, mainly just the main the main theme from Chrono Trigger, and then I think Frog's theme. So, how old were you when you played Chrono Cross? Um, I think I was twelve. Did it did it pretty much just like blow your mind or what what was it about the music in the game that just really kind of did it for you? Um yeah, it sort of it definitely resonated with me in a way that other games hadn't um and uh I got really really into it. Um and I think it was the first time even though I had sort of noticed noticed music in like uh Mega Man 2 before. It was the first time I really was aware of how much the music was adding to like my emotional experience of the game right um and that's i actually great. imported the soundtrack from japan after i beat the game as <laughs> uh, the first thing oh, i ever is, imported awesome. overseas um, oh that's so great to hear that sean that makes me smile yeah I just, i'm all for just you know the emotional impact of video game music that's right love to hear that it's a beautiful well, score too i mean it's a wonderful soundtrack what i love about this one in particular uh it, it and it's great having uh, Mitsuda back to do this soundtrack because he's not constantly hearkening back to old themes. As much he knows as he exactly, honestly could have. Yeah, he knows exactly when to kind of put that in there. And it gives a little that, feeling yeah. of uh, nostalgia, which is Also, really I mean, you got to think about how many tracks he has to compose for this game in a short period of time. You know, this came only a year after Xenogears. So obviously, and that has a lot of tracks too. So obviously, you know, he didn't have all the time in the world to compose the score. So he could have just rested on his laurels and just hearken constantly to Chrono Trigger, but it's cool that he didn't. So now I think we have maybe four more tracks to play from Chrono Cross. Let's play a really pretty track called Garden of God. listening to Garden of God. Really nice choice uh, 
you know, to include this in this playlist, a little bit more tension, some ominous emotions, some emotions that so far in our playlist we haven't really felt. Uh, Will, what are some things that uh, kind of struck you about this piece? Well, I mean, uh, the human voice just captures sort of an immediate um, uh, emotional uh, capacity that other instruments just can't, mm-hmm. um, and they think there's something really special about that. But there's sort of um, there's a little bit of an intensity here. Yeah, and it's obviously it's still very um, smooth and laid back, but just I'm more talking about an intensity uh, harmonically. Just sort of mm-hmm. some of these intervals with the melody are just very striking and have sort of this quality of getting right to the meat of the emotions, which is really important because it's sort of, he's not wasting time. It's very much an economy of notes. Yeah. Now, now without knowing in the, you know, in a second, I'm sure we're going to hear, but without knowing the use of the game, I do know this is the first track of the third disc of the soundtrack. So I'm assuming it's fairly late in the game. Sean, do you want to talk about the context in the game? Um, yeah, it, I think it comes up a little bit before when he puts it in the uh, the soundtrack uh, mm-hmm. listing. But uh, it is very important to sort of what starts happening at the end, which is that um, I think it's mainly played when you talk to the dragon gods. Um, there's sort of like a quest where you have to go talk to um, six different dragon gods that are the, mm-hmm. the gods of different elements, basically. Um, and get their blessing, essentially. Oh. And so when you're talking to them, you get this, but there's also sort of something, um, it sort of starts the, the ball rolling on a lot of darker things happening. So I think there's a certain, like, tension of something just sort of, like, reverent, uh, but also, like, a certain sense mm-hmm. that there might be something beyond um, that's not quite just good. It's nice to know that there's a spiritual element to this track because, you know, the human voice is, is almost the go-to uh, way to evoke that. So I think now it's really interesting. Let's move on to a track that we need to preface, and Sean's going to help us here. This is a track called The Girl Who Stole the Stars, and we're going to do a mix of two different versions. Um, the first version you guys are going to hear are actually is actually from the game Radical Dreamers, which came out for the Super Famicom. So tell us a little bit about that. Um, yeah, so it basically came out uh, on a thing that was only in Japan where you would actually download the game onto like a blank cartridge. Um, and it was wow. sort of made to be a follow-up to Chrono Trigger to sort of wrap up some loose ends, uh, but it got cut short. So it was released as basically a text adventure. Oh, wow. Um, and a lot of people didn't play it. Um, I mean, not even in Japan. It was not very big in Japan either. And so basically it was a lot of just... Uh, big fans of the series that have actually played it um but that's where one of the characters in chrono cross kid and actually a number of other characters uh comes from so this is kid's theme in radical dreamers mm-hmm. um and then uh especially the the creator of chrono cross who also did radical dreamers and chrono trigger was sort of disappointed that it didn't make it big uh mm-hmm. so he wanted a lot of people to hear some of these beautiful uh compositions that Mitsuda yeah. has made for that game and he sort of said can you reuse them um and this is one where it's just very interesting because he's sort of doing the same thing but uh the technical limitations are so different that he's able to do a very different sound this is really cool so guys we're going to start you off with the super famicom version and then later we're going to fade in the ps1 version so let's take a listen to the girl who stole the stars
You guys just heard the Super Famicom version of The Girl Who Stole the Stars. Now let's fade in the PS1 version here. Take a listen, guys. Man, that is so interesting to hear um, <laughs> how much better it sounds. But really, how faithful he's being to the Super Famicom. Everything was there. And I think it's so unfortunate, so sad. Um, Will was saying, oh, I love hearing more Matsuda stuff on the Super NES. But I think it's so sad that not a lot of people were able to hear how much heart and soul he put in, how far he's pushing the boundaries of the Super Famicom. It's very impressive. It reminds me a lot of Chrono Trigger. That just Trigger. goes to show you can just sort of tell a lot about a person by um, the heart and soul that they put into their work. He was not doing it for the accolades or the praise. He just, I mean, you can tell he's someone who just works really hard and gives his all no matter what the and project is. And puts his is. heart into the music. That's why there's so much heart in the music because he put it into it. You I mean, know? It's very very selfless thing it seems so very impressive i have just the utmost respect for yasunori mitsuda now sean you mentioned that this is one of the tracks that means the most to you personally so uh what what does this track mean to you um well so it's um kids theme is one of the main characters she's sort of the other one in the love triangle and actually a lot of the game is the relationship between the main character and kid okay. um, and for a lot of the game she's sort of a really rough and headstrong tomboy um, and this is you sort of getting a glimpse of her softer side. Um, and actually an interesting note, if you hear the, the vocal samples saying, singing La 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 uh, uh -huh. on, in this song, in the, the PlayStation version, that's uh, Noriko Mitose, who sings the ending theme oh, we'll yeah. do later. The Radical um, Dreamers theme. That's so cool. Yeah. and Yeah, I almost can tell it's her. She has a very distinct voice. And uh, she sort of does the voice of Kid then. So then sort of the, the final oh. theme is also from her point of view. Um, and there's a lot of sort of the relationship um, and that kid sort of accepts you uh, regardless of who you are, or what the fate of who you are is. Um, and that really resonated with me a lot when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that's why I always get chills when I hear this. Um, there's one scene in particular where you have like a really intimate conversation with her and the song plays in the background. Um, and I always remember it when I hear it. So it's it's very soft and bittersweet to me. Oh, that's so special. That, that's, a, that's great to know. All right, now it's time to move on to the next track on our playlist. This is Time of the Dream Watch from Chrono Cross. Let's take a listen.
Man, that is beautiful. One of my favorites of the soundtrack. This is Time of the Dream Watch from Chrono Cross. A little bit more big epic of a sound, at least for this soundtrack. A lot more percussion. To me, great this shaker. really feels like this is just a classic Chrono track. Yeah, it really absolutely. reminds me of a lot of stuff. And it harkens Chrono very subtly. To, to the corridors, corridors of time, time. just yeah. very the arpeggio, yeah. the the yep. ostinato, the da, 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 this da, da, is da, da. such a great piece. I'm so glad we got to include this on today's playlist. Oh my gosh, I love it. That little riff there, the da 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 da, da that's really uh, that's fantastic. It's just a it's a great uh, sequence of notes. It's something that you might take for granted because it just feels yeah. kind of natural and works rhythmically. But uh, the the choice of notes there is really intricate. And it's something that just I think is one of the things that makes this track so satisfying um, not only to listen to yeah. but just kind of to this, experience does this happen to be one of the final pieces in the game um, actually this is a really interesting piece because it was used for the demo uh, like the demo oh. trailer and when you start it up first there's a time scar and then they do sort of a demo uh, like eye catch with this song in the background uh, but I think he sort of composed it to be something that would capture um in like sort of a broad brush a lot of the game right so i think that's why it stands out so much because he put a lot of work into it of like i need something that's going to sort of grab someone and tell them what this game is sure and sort of make it exciting at the same time so well i think he did a good job with that all right folks it is now time to move on to the last track from the soundtrack and what do you know it happens to be this week's track of the week this is um probably my favorite track of this game this is so beautiful and we mentioned Noriko Matose before. She does a beautiful performance. This is Radical Dreamer's Unstealable Jewel. Let's take a listen. favorites one of my all-time favorite rpg tracks ever this is radical dreamers unstealable jewel performed um by noriko matose 
Yasunori Mitsuda, what a legend. Uh, Sean, when, when we were listening to this, you were telling us um, some, some things about uh, the production, like during the, the making, because this is a recorded piece of music, which is different from a lot of the tracks yeah, in so, the game. So this is the, the end theme, and I think he was very brave for an end theme to make it this small. Um, and he actually says that he had to stop himself multiple times from adding a string section and say, like, just keep it, like, simple, just keep it to the melody. Um, but Gosh. I think it really works, and... Um, just having it so small and intimate. I can only imagine how much of a tearjerker this must have been for you playing this game. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, it even gets to me a little bit now. So uh, it gets to me, and I've never played it. I mean, that—that's the thing. That's the power of music. Is um, even without any context, the first time I heard this. I almost got choked up. It's so powerful, and you know, Noriko Matose, such a pure, breathy voice that is so fitting for this melody. It's just beautiful. So I can only imagine, you know, after going on this long quest, hearing this, oh my gosh, yeah, I would lose it if I heard this. This is, I think, this is the best melody of the game. Uh, I don't know, Will. What, what do you think? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, everything about it, I think this is just really, it hits home and it, it captures some of the things that I think make this soundtrack so good. The kind of emotions that we've discussed uh, so far. There yeah. is a little bit of sort of a, a tragedy and a, a longing there that is just very beautiful. And again, some just very delicate and wonderful performances. Yeah, I, I was just so incredibly surprised by the soundtrack because it feels very different than Chrono Trigger, but I mean, the quality and the caliber is just as good, if not maybe even yeah. better. It's just... Well, now, guys, I think it's time to move on to Xenogears. Uh, we're going to play only, I think, eight tracks from this from this game. But it's a cool uh, thing to be able to include this on today's episode to give a little bit of a difference. This is actually what Yasunori Mitsuda uh, did right before Chrono Cross. This came out the year before. Let's take a listen to My Village is Number One from Xenogears. This is such a fun piece of music and such a fun change of pace from Chrono Cross. I really, one of the reasons I wanted to include this soundtrack as well. It, it really, we need to change change gears here. No pun intended. Xenogears. This is My Village is Number One, composed by Yasunori Mitsuda. Yeah, uh, I mean, this just, uh, this episode really showcases his diversity. I mean, yeah. he has a commitment to a style and a soundtrack, but I mean, he's such a diverse and versatile composer. I love this yeah. piece. It's very pretty. One thing I really enjoyed, that B section with the kind of droning pitches was definitely trying <laughs> to evoke a bagpipe. Yeah, Sean, what is this piece? How does this piece um, kind of differ from Chrono Cross? Like, musically, what, what do you hear in this piece? Um, definitely, like, 
Uh, I feel like at this point his Celtic influence was a lot more explicit. Um, oh my I think gosh, he's always, yeah. Especially in the PlayStation era, he was very into folk music from around the world. Um, and especially, I think, finding samples of folk, folk instruments. I think he was really yeah. interested in that. But this one in particular is just uh, undeniably like Irish-Scottish. Uh, but you can still sort of hear him too in the, the melody, and which everything. is which is so ideal. Yeah, I, I also like the meter. This is uh, two measures of five eight followed by two measures of six eight, which I think kind of puts you on your toes and you're not quite expecting it. When there's nice. a little bit of Surprising. sort of an Irish dance Celtic quality oh, yeah. to it of that kind of oh, yeah. you know skipping a beat. Oh. Yeah, it's awesome. Now let's move on to the next track on our playlist. This is the Valley where Wind is Born. Here we go. Gosh, this piece really gets me. It's just so emotional and beautiful. It's one of my favorite tracks we're playing today, period. I love it. I gotta say, the start of Xenogears, at least the soundtrack, is so strong. Like that last track we played, this track, which is called The Valley Where Wind Is Born, uh, it's so um, just kind of a direct line into what I resonate with. But I will say that overall, definitely not as strong, not as consistent of a soundtrack as Chrono Cross. Not as many tracks, not as many great themes. So I'm glad we're, you know, we're only playing eight tracks. It definitely doesn't deserve to be focused as much, but um, definitely in the beginning of the soundtrack, it's just stellar. I really enjoy the start of this uh, piece. It has that sort of uh, classic four-part hymn quality and to it. And it's so authentic. Very good writing. Um, the final cadence <laughs> was kind of fun. I, it's something that he, he uses a lot um, throughout mm-hmm. his music. That's something I've always noticed. It's kind of like his impression of <laughs> classical music a little bit. Um, but I really, I, I just enjoy that melody is so simple. And I, I think there had to be a lot of intention behind keeping the simplicity of the melody. Oh, yeah. Be, especially because it goes da, 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 da. You know what I think da, da, that da, da, da. is a There's recurring no kind of theme climbing. today is um, him you know, having to restrain himself and keeping it simple, keeping it simple. And, and I'm so glad he does. Right. Well, and the other thing is it's such a beautiful kind of, like you mentioned, emotional melody, but the way that he scores it is very unique. Having yeah. those kind of rolling marimba parts is very an interesting choice. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite things is the sort of climbing. Bring, yeah. The little bell. No, Sean, part. you never actually played this game or did you ever um, play this game? I, I did, but it was within like the last five years. So I don't have it. Okay. I don't have as much of a emotional 
connection to it. Um, True. I actually played the Xeno Saga series right before I played uh, Xeno Gears, which to some people would be a travesty. That um, <laughs> I'll let it slide. Yeah, but would that be like watching like Empire and Return of the Jedi before you watch the original Star Wars? Uh, yes, and I actually <laughs> did that too as a kid. The first no, one I no, watched that was, I will was not Empire allow. Strikes I, Back. <laughs> I will not allow that. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, Anything else you want to add about that track? Um, yeah, I guess it's, so I think it's Seton's uh, theme. Uh, he's one of the characters. I'd say he's sort of maybe like a fatherly figure to the main character. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it usually plays during scenes that involve him. Um, and also when you go to his house, it's always playing there. Um, very cool. But yeah, it's a very, a very beautiful track. And uh, just what you were saying earlier, too, about how this soundtrack starts really strong and then... Uh, I think it sort of mirrors a lot of the game. There's a sense to uh, Xenogears, as great as it is, that it was sort of unfinished. The very end yeah. is clearly sort of um, like there's some scenes that they just sort of do as text because they had to finish it. Um, oh, that's so I think interesting. The definitely, yeah, that mirrors that. I, I noticed that in the soundtrack where I was like, wow, it's just kind of filler tracks uh, near the end. So that's, that's interesting. All right, I think now it's time to move on to the next track. This is Steel Giant from Xenogears. You're listening to Steel Giant, a really nice and essential change of pace <laughs> on today's episode. Finally, we get a little bit of tension here. You know, we, we kind of think we're done with beauty. We're done with simplicity. Let's let's rock, you know. Let's let's get intense here. This is uh, from Xenogears. Well, and to me, in classic game music fashion, it combines uh, a lot of the kind of chord and melodic uh, cliches from kind of action film music but with more of a rocking sensibility, which is something that games do so well, is kind of combining genres and drawing um, from different cultures and types of music. And that's something that I really feel like the Japanese composers do better than anyone else. Yeah, so Sean, what's the uh, context as far as in-game of this theme? Uh, So this is a battle theme that's primarily used for a few key battles in the Gears, which are like the giant robots that you fight in sometimes. Okay. Okay. So, sort of a specific one, um, I think Stage of Death is the name of the, the main battle theme, but this is sort mm. of used for some bosses where you have to fight in the gear. Um, okay. And like, yeah, like no, a lot really of his... we needed a battle theme on this episode, didn't we? Yeah, like a lot of his... Uh, I think this is the first battle theme we've played, and, and like most of his, it's definitely playing with the time signatures in it. Um, and that's, that's definitely the perfect thing to do on a battle, because what you want to do is you want to, like... 
have people stay on their toes and, and not be expecting what's coming next. And it really kind of fits, uh, you know, the experience that you're going through. So um, I said we we're going to leave beauty, but uh, that's just not true. We still have a lot of soft beauty to do uh, on the rest of this episode. Let's move on to a track called Shattering Egg of Dreams. That is Shattering Egg of Dreams, composed by Yasunori Mitsuda from Xenogears. One thing I will say, uh, especially in this era, I do feel like there are certain tracks where they kind of feel like the text, you're studying from the textbook of Dr. Mitsuda, where it's like so many of the similar techniques, cadences, form uh, that he uses in um, pretty much all over the place. But I don't have a problem with it because it's very beautiful. Well, it's like there's a certain point where that's just his his style, and it's like oh, yeah. there's a certain type of quality that you reach as a composer um, where maybe the goal isn't always to sound completely different when you're trying to evoke something similar, and I don't think there's anything It's interesting wrong how, for that. me, there are certain composers where I'm okay with that more than others, depending on how much I like their music. Yeah, I, I guess know. sometimes, I, I, I don't know, I feel like it's a common sentiment that, like, uh, changing it up all the time is, like, the key to being Always a good better, composer. Always better, which is not And true. I do think versatility is important. Which he has. But sometimes I feel like within a soundtrack, or just in general, I mean, there's certain undeniable aspects of music. There's a reason why composers, time and time again, will go back to them, because there is something kind of just there about music. There's certain traits about a melody or about certain progressions that you can't get anywhere else. Absolutely. So there's Absolutely. some things that you can only capture with certain techniques. Yeah. Now, now, Sean, do you have any idea why this is called Shattering Egg of Dreams? Um, so I think I, I looked up some of the... Well, some of these were such bizarre titles. I tried to look up what the Japanese was translating, actually. And I think it's sort uh -huh. of like where the dream egg hatches, but I, I'm still not... Ah. I still don't entirely know what the dream egg is. Uh, it's the theme for Ellie, one of the characters in the game. Are you Are you serious? You don't know what a dream egg is? I can't <laughs> believe... <laughs> It's a dream egg, you know, just like a normal egg, but for dreams. All right, I think now we're going to move on to a track called, uh, at least this translation, that's probably a bunch of versions too. This is Graf, Emperor of Darkness. Here we go.
Beautiful, that is Graf, Emperor of Darkness, from Xenogears. I love the, the kind of the contrast between the bigness, using all the drums, all the orchestral elements, and then all of a sudden just a one lone sustaining string. It's very effective. The use of the glockenspiel is always one of my favorite little orchestral techniques. Especially when it's doubled with the higher, violin, right? That higher octave. Doubled with anything, honestly. You know, Because what it does is it gives clarity of attack. You know, a lot of times it's hard to hear melodic lines, but when you have it doubled with the glock, it really stands out. And I out. think it adds sort of an otherworldly, ethereal quality to it. There's mm. sort of a... It, it really kind of, to me, it, it highlights a melodic statement. It really makes it clear, like, this is the series of notes that it's important. But it, yeah. it, I think if you're capturing um, specific intervals, if, if your melody is kind of interesting and mysterious enough, I think the glock can kind of add a certain level of charm to that mystery. Absolutely. Anything you wanted to add about this track, Sean? Um, yeah, I think I think mystery is a big part of this. It's sort of the theme for one of the main antagonists in the game, uh, but he seems to know you. Like, the main character has amnesia, and he seems to know you from the past, so there's a lot of questions about how he knows you um, and what that Can means. Can he be trusted? So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. That's cool. Yeah, no, the music fits that perfectly. In some ways, I enjoy this method of listening to the track talking about it, thinking about what it means, me just musically, and then hearing about what it actually means in context. It's funny how like so much can be communicated through music that you can really get close, uh, closer than you probably would expect. Let's now move on. We only have a couple more tracks to talk about, guys. This is In a Prison of Peace and Regret. Let's take a listen. Beautiful piece. I love it. This is In a Prison of Peace and Regret. This was uh, one of the tracks that S. Jean Reefer, as I <laughs> like to pronounce it, uh, chose for uh, this particular playlist. What do you like about this track? What makes it stand out to you musically and then maybe about the game as well? Um, well, one, just sort of like the, the sound of this like um, sort of harpsichord or something instrument um, sort of really stands out as something that I feel like you often don't hear. Um, and yeah. I, I think it captures a lot of the game is sort of rep, uh, referencing like uh, theories of Frederick Nietzsche. Um, oh yeah. So there's a lot of like religious overtones, but that are sort of like insidious. Yeah. Um, and you get that. 
a lot from this theme. It's sort of one of those ones used. I forget exactly where it's used. Um, but there's something a little creepy about this harpsichord. I mean, the melody sort of has that to it, but just sort of the, the, the amount of... Any harpsichord of, that has that much reverb yeah, is not to be of, trusted. The amount of reverb sounds like it's being played in a church. Yeah, but also that church. mixed with sort of the ominous giant choral church, yeah. voices. Yeah, this ch- how big would this church have to be? Cathedral, oh probably. Even bigger. I feel like how much he's drenching in reverb here. Maybe if it was recorded on the other side of the cathedral. I don't know. But anyway, that's a really dark, ominous, but beautiful piece. All right, last track we're going to talk about. This is called October Mermaid. This is a piece that had a couple different translations. I actually knew it as... That's a great band name, by the way. It is. I actually... What about this? Well, I knew it as June Mermaid. Yeah, I actually... Terrible band name. uh, (laughs) I looked this up to try and figure out what the the name of the song uh, actually is because I was so confused why there was June and October um, yeah. And it's actually a very old word uh, for the month of October in Japanese. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, kanatsuki instead of Jugatsu, which Jugatsu would just be like um, the 10th month. Um, mm-hmm. But Kanatsuki means godless month. And it's based on an old folk belief that uh, that month all the Shinto gods would go to this one huge shrine. Um, and so uh-huh. the rest of Japan would be left godless because all the gods would be there at the shrine. Oh, my gosh. So anything goes. Yeah, so that godless <laughs> then... Uh, fits in again with sort of these like Nietzsche themes. Oh, that is so cool. Thanks so much for that uh, context, that uh, insight. That's that's awesome. This Do you is... speak Japanese? Um, not much, but I know enough that I can sort of navigate dictionaries to figure out what what stuff says. That's so. really useful. We'll have to get your help uh, for, for the future. This is October Mermaid from Xenogears. Gorgeous. Well, thanks so much, everyone, for joining us on our spotlight on Chrono Cross as well as Xenogears. A nice PS1 spotlight. I think that was a long time coming. This was really enjoyable uh, to have Sean join us to give a lot of really interesting insight context into you know the placement of the games some of the personal experience of how this music uh, affects you when you're actually playing the game which is something that a lot of times we're not able to touch on because we're so interested in the music itself so thanks sean for joining us for this yeah it's been a lot of fun yeah it's been really fun for us so thank you yeah i, I look forward to doing another spotlight episode like this um finding 
more ways to kind of link soundtracks together. I think yeah. these two really balanced each other out. Mm-hmm. They were uh, very different. Um, Sean, one more time. Do you want to plug your blog once again? Uh, yeah, it is Bump and Level Grind. Uh, that's the letter N. Um, and it's a blogspot blog. So bump and level grind.blogspot.com. Nice. This has been such a great time, guys. Next week, what do we have, Will, on the slate for next week? Next week, we have Marcato Radio. Oh, yeah. We have to take a break next week. Yeah. So we're going to have Marcato Radio. One thing I wanted to say this is uh, my last week uh, recording here in St. Paul with Carl. I'm going off to college. So So this episode, the music, uh, very fitting, very emotional for us right now. I'm going to miss you, man. This this has really been. two of the best years of my life but the show must go on so we will be back in two weeks with another episode as usual next week you'll really enjoy the we we haven't done a marcato radio a true marcato radio yeah the place is really we promise it won't be our music it's going to be a true marcato radio so if you guys don't know whenever we take a break we do a marcato radio which just consists of a non-stop playlist of great video games yeah and speaking of that uh keep on the lookout for child of the chozo um my original metroid album i am so close to being finished so that's going to be released very soon yeah and then yeah i just wanted to say thanks once again to all of our fans uh for supporting us i mean this show has just been such a huge part of my life and i feel very uh lucky and blessed to be able to have this opportunity and i look forward to let's see how many more years we can keep doing this absolutely well we're gonna play everyone out with a track called shavat the wind is calling from Xenogears. Have a great week, everyone. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Take care, everybody. Peace out. See ya.